I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, February 8th, 2023, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, Americans are expected to bet $16 billion on this year's Super Bowl, according to a gambling industry group. And that, by the way, includes both legal and illegal betting. Jay, will you bet on Sunday's game? Prop bets, team bet, anything? No. I know some people think that makes the game more exciting. I find it makes me much more anxious. I would rather eat. And then when the game gets too late or out of hand, like tune it out, to be honest, what about you? You love gambling. No, that's not true. Uh, (laughs) I think I rarely gamble. And if I ever do, it's never enough to make it interesting. My friends used to bet on the Oscars and that was a lot of fun. And so I see the appeal of it for sure. But yeah, I prefer sports when it's meaningful to me. When I'm a fan of the team, the gambling, the money doesn't really play a role in it. If I were to though, I'd go with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I just feel like it's hard to bet against the guy now. He's like the new Brady. It's probably a bad idea to bet against him. So that's probably who I'd go with. I think that's probably pretty safe, although the Eagles look super, super good. So spend your money carefully. Know your limits. Spend within it, I guess, is the... Yeah, OLG. (laughs) No free plugs, but, you know, it's probably a good idea. Brett, aside from money, we will not be gambling on the game. What do we have for peak calls today? For our first story, healthcare huddle among premiers. For our second story, the Bank of Canada is opening up. And for our last story, geothermal power is here. For our first story, healthcare is the word on every premier's lips. And yesterday, they finally got to talk to the prime minister about it. But how'd the meeting go? Well, it sounded pretty good. I hope they got lunch. Justin Trudeau met yesterday with the nation's premiers, offering them $196.1 billion in healthcare funding to put towards healthcare over the next decade, including $46.2 billion in completely new funding. Now, in exchange, provinces and territories must improve how they collect and share health data and report on how they spend the money they receive. Seems fair, I guess. The influx of new money will come primarily through two channels, a $2 billion top up to the Canada Health Transfer, the CHT, including a 5% annual hike to the CHT over the next five years. Previously, that number was at 3%. And a $25 billion sum that will be set aside to work out individual bilateral deals with provinces and territories to focus on region-specific health care issues. The provinces had previously been adamant that they wouldn't accept new funding if it had strings attached. And the CHT top up presented does not meet their long-held demand. But now that a deal is on the table, some provinces like Ontario and BC could be ready to sign. Good old fashioned negotiation. And here's why it matters Canada is in a healthcare crisis. Despite having the fourth highest per capita healthcare spending in the OECD, people can't get family doctors. There are years long surgery backlogs, and emergency rooms are routinely overwhelmed. Now, a report ranking the healthcare systems of 11 developed nations put Canada second last ahead only of our arch nemesis, the United States of America. Well, at least we beat them. In this, the deal the federal government has presented is promising not just because it will send out more cash, but because of its attempt to bring accountability. Canada has no national database for over 100 health authorities and has been historically poor, quote unquote, at sharing medical data. This, just as much as a lack of spending, has been at the root of the crisis, Brett. And to zoom out on healthcare. Mm-hmm. Canadians are in agreement with this line of thought. An Ipsos survey found that 86% of Canadians believe provincial health care needs more federal funding. But the majority also agreed that the provinces need to show the feds a clear plan on how they will spend it. For our second story, the Bank of Canada is trying to open up, but unlike your typical therapy session, it's the Canadian public with the trust issues. Jay, what's the bank trying to tell us? Well, in two firsts, the Bank of Canada published a market participant survey and will release a summary of deliberations from its latest meeting today as it tries to be more transparent about its inner workings. The survey showed that economists and investment strategists, plus other key financial players, they mostly disagree with the bank's economic growth prediction in the fourth quarter of 2023, but agree with its prediction 
prediction that inflation will fall below 3% by year's end. Now to catch you up, after promising to maintain super low interest rates in 2020, the bank turned around and did a series of rate hikes starting in March 2022. It was a bad look. The reversal took the markets by surprise and burned home buyers who had believed rates would stay low. Now, the bank hadn't anticipated a spike in inflation and moved aggressively to fight it. A huge 1% rate hike last July surprised the markets, and so did the following softer-than-expected 0.5% hike. Now, after the interest rate flip-flops, Bay Street doesn't want any more surprises from the central bank, and the BOC wants to restore its credibility with market players and homeowners alike. Being more open about the thinking behind its decisions and the information driving them is a step in that direction. The Bank of Canada was urged to improve transparency by the International Monetary Fund last year by releasing meeting minutes along the lines of memos put out by the U.S. Federal Reserve and the Bank of England. The bank is now responding with its own version of that idea and the form its deliberation summary, sort of like a Coles notes, I guess. And it has also added a poll of market participants to its regular surveys of businesses and consumers to help prevent any further market shocks by getting a sense of Bay Street's expectations. And here's what's next. The BOC's deliberation summary could give us a better idea of what to expect from its next interest rate announcement slated for March 8th. A month from today. For our third story, tired of hearing about wind, solar, and hydrogen energy? Well, you're in luck. There's a hot new renewable energy source on the scene, and it is literally so, so hot, Brett. We can't stop talking about it. Here's what's happening. Canada's first ever large-scale geothermal power plant is now under construction. Saskatchewan company Deep Earth Energy Production. Deep. Got it. Which received approval and $25.5 million in funding from the Canadian government in 2019 has begun initial engineering work at a site in southeastern Saskatchewan. Cool. What is that? In case geothermal energy is one of those things you kind of pretend to know the meaning of, I think I'm guilty of that. It works by tapping into underground reservoirs of water, heated by proximity to the Earth's core, and using the steam to generate electricity. It's huge in Iceland. Geothermal is a more reliable energy source than other green options like wind and solar, because unlike wind and the sun, the Earth's core keeps on running 24-7. It's like the 7-Eleven of energy. (laughs) It's a major energy source for countries around the world, including New Zealand, Kenya, and the aforementioned Iceland, where it generates a quarter a full quarter of the country's electricity. Yes, but Canada's geothermal industry is still in its early stages as an abundance of other resources, plus the fact that most Canadians don't live in near major geothermal sites, making it pricey to actually deliver the energy it produces has led to trepidation in large-scale investing. And here's why it matters. As Canada looks to go green, geothermal presents another potential renewable energy source that can be used to heat and power households and businesses. Deep Earth's power plant in Saskatchewan will be able to provide enough power for 25,000 households when completed. To Zoom out a bit. Tapping into geothermal reserves requires drilling techniques very similar to those used for fossil fuel extraction, meaning projects will utilize the oil and gas sector's deep and potentially underemployed talent pool. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett. Have a good hump day. Shock.